Bobby Fields, Indy Westland, Ford, number 67. Bobby Munoz scoring off against Tony Morales today and scored a Guys, welcome to Ryan Fields. I've been trying to get this guy on the horn a long time. He's from the South Bronx. You know, you know those guys. They're better than us. They're in New York. I'm just kidding. It's Mr. Bobber Nio. Say what's up, brother. What's, hey, what's up, man? Like I said, you talk, uh, we spoke earlier. You said Brooklyn. I almost, I almost dropped 50 through the phone, brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I fucked up right off the bat. <laughs> all right. all right. Bro, there's people, there's people on TV that are messing up spots in front of 97,000 people, so don't worry about it. So tell me what Yonkers is like. That's where you're but from, right? Now just fucking around. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, man. I'm just kidding. It's yeah, not- yeah, you're funny guy. I'm a hop, skip, listen, I'm a hop, skip, and a jump from Yankee Stadium. Oh, that's awesome, man. Uh, to start off, uh, I, I met Mr. Bobby, uh, for you minefielders that have been tuning in forever. Uh, he was fresh off the mat. He was covered in sweat. He was ready to punch someone's head off, and uh, this weird guy with long hair taps him on the shoulder and says, "Yo, we need to take photos. Uh, let me let me clean up for a second. And I say, "No, I want this now." And you're like, "All right, fine." And the shots I got of you were some of the most intense in the moment. The violence was going on still in your head, and they are some of the most liked posts I've ever posted. Thank you. No, listen, and, and, and listen, people don't realize those are the best pictures to get because, like you said, you're capturing the moment, like the full emotion of, of the moment. That, that's incredible. No, and I was just happy that you, you wanted to work with me, man, because you didn't know me from Adam, and all of a sudden I'm shoving a camera in your face, and we're in front of a green screen. And <laughs> and I, I've uh, it, it took me a while to build up some respect or the gravitas to be able to approach someone like that, like, you know, like, you know, because I know you just finished. You got to talk about your match. You got to make sure the other guy's okay. Uh, there's a lot of things going on, and I'm like, yo, I need this now. So I appreciate no, it. You. Was, it was a per- Listen, no, it was a perfect opportunity, and and we as wrestlers, we, we got to understand that you guys, as um, journalists and stuff, have a job to do. Even though we may not agree with it every single moment, but you guys have a job to do. Also, we, well, me personally, I'm I'm happy to help any way I can. Man, there's a, and I appreciate it, man. There, there's a couple things I wanted to talk about. The first thing I want to talk about is about being Puerto Rican because you put it over like crazy, and for some reason I keep getting all these goddamn Puerto Ricans in my life. Tony, uh, like they, they, they're awesome. I, I've got this stable of Puerto Rican friends now, and you're putting Gino it over. Rivera, don't forget Gino Rivera. Gino, yeah, there's Gino. Um, but yeah, yeah um, I, I don't have the prototypical, and here's the thing that I always like to talk about. I don't have the prototypical look of what some people label what Puerto Rican should look like, what Puerto Rican should be, dark skin, there's this ghetto and uh, uh, hood language. And and that's like insulting. So I, I'm like, my God, the DNA doesn't lie. So when I found out my DNA, my heritage and my and my family history and all that, I decided to pay homage to that. And I got a, and you're probably going to see tomorrow, I got a tattoo of the Daino sun symbol with the Puerto Rican flag because my gra- my great-grandmother was from, born and raised in Torabaja, a good town on the east side of Puerto Rico, and she was a direct descendant of a Taino Indian tribe. 
And um, when I when I found all this information, I was like, wow, no kidding. And I always share a picture of her, my great grandmother, with my with one of my deep my Titi Wanda, who's who's you know who's in the picture as a little girl. So I'm like, wow, this is incredible to me. And I also got another tattoo of the Puerto Rican flag on the left side of my couch. So that's basically me paying tribute to my family heritage and legacy. How old were you when you found out you're Puerto Rican? <laughs> um, gosh, at probably in elementary school. My father, my father was born and raised in Maya West, and he would, he would always like sit me down, and said, "Don't, don't." Now, basically, in so many words, don't be ashamed of your race. Don't be ashamed of where you come from, and you know things like that. And and I started to get to know because he would always play. Like the Grand Combo. I don't know if you remember the Grand, Grand Combo, famous salsa band from back in the day. He would always play a Grand Combo and all these other famous salsa bands from back in the day, finding out all-stars. So he really ingrained in me from an early age the, the Puerto Rican culture. You know what I mean? No, I do. I do. And I, I love the fact that you put it over that way because one of the things I love so much about all the Puerto Rican gentlemen I know and, and gentle women I know in my life or gentle ex um, – they're extremely proud and that's not something it, I'm not, it's, that's not something I'm used to because I'm Mexican. I'm Mexican, Spanish, and I'm Apache. And uh, I just found out uh, the other day, uh, 16th Italian and which makes sense. Um, but I, I found out cause I moved to, I, I was born in Hashtag, Mexico. Uh, we moved to England when I was age three. My dad joined the military. And, wow, okay. And, what branch did he serve? What branch did he serve? Air Force, thank you. Nice, good for cool. Thank you. Thank you for, thank you for the service. Oh, well, we, we appreciate it. He's, he's a good guy. He's the best guy. I mean, he's, he's, he's my hero. And um, my first language was Spanish. I lost it immediately. And then I'm third generation Mexican So here in the States. So we don't speak Spanish. We only know it because our parents spoke it in front of us so we didn't know what they were talking about. But then when oh, I Oh, man. When I moved Let me in, tell you. Tell no, I, I get that. I no, I get that because in my in my house, my grandmother, my mother's mother, she had a rule, and she was like, "In this house, we speak Spanish. We're not American. We're Puerto Rican." So my grandmother also had a big hand in letting me know, "Listen, you're Puerto Rican, so in this house, you're going to speak Spanish." So that was I had to learn Spanish really quickly at an early age. <laughs> See, that's not fair because you motherfuckers speak Spanish like a fucking machine gun. I can't keep up, even if I knew it. Like you. <laughs> Y'all, y'all are faster than fucking Venezuelans, and and that is saying something. Um, <laughs> and you know I'm not bullshitting. Oh, you know I'm not bullshitting. No, not uh, um, I, you're talking about Mexico. When I first wrestled in Mexico back in 2015, I debuted in Mexico in 2015. Tijuca, it's a little town outside of Mexico City, and. I was spoiling the Spanish and yo, would you believe it or not? They were bouncing Frankie Ruiz Salsa. Now this is a born bred Puerto Rican legend in the salsa genre, and they bouncing this music like they were in San Juan or something. I was like, yeah. yo, we were just bugging and having a good time. I couldn't believe it. No, that's awesome, man. How did it feel? Oh, it was great, man. I and and the good thing about that is like some of the stuff, some of the people, some of the wrestlers that recognize me from working. Southern California circuit, like Mascara Sagrada Jr., um, the other psychosis, not 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 Mitro not Nietzsche Millonario, the other guy, the other psychosis. So a lot of these guys recognize me, and I feel like, wow, look at that, I must have done something right. Because you know they don't they don't just recognize just you know they, 
I must have done something right. Maybe I, whatever. I don't know what it is, but it was it was great feeling. And you know, four. I don't know if you remember. You know who four fifty is? Mechabol. I do. Okay, yeah, he's another good. It's funny, another Puerto Rican wrestler. So, um, I saw him there. We were just chopping it up and talking about whatever. So, just the way the Mexicans, uh, you know, it was it was a great atmosphere to be in. So, so you know, it was it was fun. The reason I bring it up is because when I moved out, Al- I moved back to Albuquerque when I was eighteen, and I've always identified as as Mexican because I've always, I didn't want to be one of those like sellout fucking assholes that like, Oh my, my family's from Mexico or Spanish, but I'm Hispanic. That's some fucking bullshit sellout white boy shit. And I, not that I have any problem with white boys, but when it comes down to blood, I believe in the one drop rule. I got one blood, I got one drop of fucking uh, Mexican. I mean, I'm Mexican and I've always been proud of it. Moved to Albuquerque. Uh, I'm Agreed. I moved to Albuquerque, and I find out about this thing that black people have with each other where they hate on the light-skinned black people. And all of a sudden, I realized my entire life why I was – the the Mexican dudes that were shorter – because I'm 6'3", I've got olive skin. I don't have dark skin. But I realized why they always treated me different. I wasn't Mexican enough for them. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. That's crazy. And that, and that, and that you know, when, when, I, when I get a Puerto Rican with the dark skin talking about – Bobby, you ain't Puerto Rican, you're white, you're Irish, you're this, you're that. That tells me that they have the highest form of bigotry that I've ever seen. Like, it's, it's almost like you're telling me there's no possible way, no, even, and even, with, and you know what's funny, they would still hold on to that bigot, bigoted attitude, even with DNA proven that I'm Puerto Rican. So it's, it's incredible. But, Man, listen, man. <laughs> I don't want to go to another direction. Brother, no, I, I, I want you. you. I, no, I, I want you to. You mentioned it earlier, and I wanted to bring this up in the first place uh, because it was like I was welcome at the table, but at the kids' table. Like I'm not Mexican enough. What am I like? What I've got? I've got a. I've got insurance. I I, I do drive a truck, uh, but you know. Um, what am I, I'm not brown enough for you. We eat all the same food. We, we, we use all the same words. I say vernacular. They say something different. And I remember, um, I was working at an Italian restaurant. I was a server and I was learning Spanish in college. And, uh, I, I wanted to talk to the dudes in the back of the house. There's a bunch of, uh, uh, Venezuelans, Hondurans, and, uh, Mexico, Mexico guys. And I remember asking them for something. Uh, I use a subjunctive test, like "podría tener," like whatever. I just remember using that specific subjunctive text. And um, one of the one of the cooks who uh, was more Americanized, like pulled me aside. He's like, "Listen, brother, you need to cut that shit out." And I'm like, I'm, "Cut what out?" And he's like, "You're talking to them like the rich assholes talk to them. You sound like an asshole." Oh wow! And I was like. What, do I just use the regular ass tense? Because this is what I was told was the polite tense. No, that's the rich dickhead tense where we're from. And, oh, jeez. And it's pissing them off. Now, was I right or was I wrong? That's the, that, no, that's the million dollar question. I mean, listen, um, even when, when Puerto Ricans, when we speak Spanish... That you you'll have Spaniards like I remember in college taking a Spanish class from teacher professor was Spaniard and they like they feel like they have the greatest Spanish ever like Puerto Ricans have they like to say Puerto Ricans have lazy Spanish oh bullshit because like, I'm Castellano fuck you get out of here with that shit <laughs> no yo listen because 
and it's funny, and, and when you think about it, you, you listen to a Mexican speak Spanish, and they pronounce every letter of every word. When Puerto Ricans, we'd be like, oh, go to Dubai, all this other stuff. And I'm like, yo, there's a point to what he was saying, but the way he was saying it was like kind of condescending. Exactly. I'm about to like to up in front of the whole class. Like, nah, homie, what's up with that? Like, you're chill. There, you're there to improve yourself. Why the hate? Yeah. Why the hate? I just wanted to make sure that these guys didn't think I disrespected them. That's it. <laughs> that 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 was it. But hey, um, yo, crazy dude, it was crazy. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I know some some Spanish cultures around the world they look down on like Puerto Rican, Dominican. Oh, you think Puerto Ricans be fast? You you ain't been to Dominican Republic. When I first wrestled in the Dominican Republic, they looked like me like. They'll call me gringo because, not because of my skin color, but because I'm from the mainland United States, quote unquote. Right. So they'll be like, oh, for, for no gringo, no I'm like, oh, okay, wow, cool, you know? And um, that made me feel good to hear it from the actual people from that, that are born and raised in the country, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, wow. Wow. And, and that made me feel more accepted than anything, well, now that we've talked about that, like just, you know, elephant in the room when it comes to whether we're light-skinned Mexican or dark-skinned Mexican or Puerto Rican, how do you how do you feel as a Puerto Rican? I, I, because one of the things I really love about uh, Puerto Ricans in general is how exuberant you are. And uh, uh, a couple of years ago, I worked for a fed called CSW and, you know, doing video, doing sound, and there was a guy that was doing bad business. And but the problem was is that he was Puerto Rican. Not that it was he was Puerto Rican, but the fact that three quarters of the crowd was Puerto Rican and had Puerto Rican flags, and there's no way we could fire this guy because he put asses in seats. And well, there, listen, you got you to put the belt on him. They they did for a little bit, and like the the thing is though is that that they were so proud, like 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 it, it, they're in the states, fine, we're in Colorado. It's you know it's a pretty place, but like that like. The, the exuberance, the the um, ability to the, express the pride. Yes, yes, the pride, and and like you, you you've got the tattoos, but like tell me something a little bit more intricate. Tell me something a little bit more personal about being Puerto Rico that Puerto Rican that 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 makes you that makes up your 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 gravitas, your, your who you are as Mister Bobby Bunyos, like something that really is part of your integral person. If you don't mind. Um. Maybe a story when you were a kid, or um. Well, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that because when I first went to Puerto Rico in 1987, I was 12 years old, and I'm just kind of like skinny as hell, and I'm like just, just trying to learn the language, like the, the not so much just the Spanish language, because when you go to Puerto Rico. They actually have their own dialect of how they speak their Spanish. You know what I mean? I do. So I had to, I had to learn that and just kind of, and not only that, dude, growing up as a baseball player, playing in the Pony Leagues and the Little Leagues and everything and things like that, you play with nothing but Spanish ball plays, whether it's Dominican Republic or or Mexico or or whatever. You gotta learn how to speak Spanish because that's the only way they're gonna communicate. And so when, when, I, when I learned that the, the Puerto Rican dialect or how they speak Spanish, and, this is, and man, I'm, I'm not even in junior high school yet. So I'm like, wow, I'm actually learning on the fly kind of deal. So when I 
what I learned and when I come back years later and I and they're like, wow. And it goes back to what I just said a few minutes ago where they're like, coño, por un gringo, tú hablas español lo más bien. Tú naciste en Nueva York, pero tú hablas español lo más bien. I'm like, wow. That, that, that right there makes me feel like, wow. Like that, that was like my sense of they accepted me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they didn't, they didn't see skin complexion. I got the green eyes and all that stuff. They didn't see none of that. They said, wow, that's a Puerto Rican. Even though he wasn't born there, but that's a Puerto Rican. So they, they kind of expect You were beautiful to them. So it, it, it was it, it was a blessing. It's a blessing. Admit it, you were beautiful to them. Come on. You're smiling. I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> but did you ever but let me ask you, did you ever like experience any of that stuff like like uh, like uh, when, when you know you say you're Mexican and all that, like were you accepted into the Mexican? You, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, were you accepted by them at all? I mean, I gotta say the of what we talked about, where I wasn't Mexican enough for people, or I was Mexican and they just, you know, just, you know, like, you know, he's a beginner, or whatever. Like, uh, I'm very goth. Um, the best experience I ever had about with being Mexican, other than just getting together with my family, uh, and thank you for asking. I was living in Albuquerque. I was 19, and I got invited to a party uh, with my friend Carlos. He knew this girl, Veronica, and uh, she invited us to a party at her, at her house. And we had to go to the southeast side, which is not a good place, like bars on every door and window. And uh, we, oh, wow. we find this place and uh, knock on the door. Someone opens it, like, no bullshit, face tattoo, couple teardrops, Uh it's funny, uh, I find out what the teardrops really meant. Uh, <laughs> but, um, um, like, it was like a record scratch. I had pink hair. I was wearing a dress. Uh, well, it wasn't like a dress. It was like a big, like, like Hellraiser skirt and, like, a, uh, a Pantera shirt with the sleeves cut off. And my fingernails were painted and I was wearing makeup. And Carlos was pretty boy Mexican. And, like, record scratch and all these hardcore cholos are like, what the fuck? And... We're like, hey, Veronica invited us. Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, you, uh, she's over here. Come on, Veronica. Your friends are here. Your friends are here. Get over here. Hey, 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 hey you, you drink? You drink? Yeah, yeah. What do you got? Like, we got tequila. We got we got whiskey. What do you want? I'm like, I want something that burns. Oh, shit. Get him something that burns. Hey, uh, what's in your bag? Uh, a sketch bag. You draw? Yeah. Well, sit your ass down. We want tattoos. Get, draw some tattoos, motherfucker. And, like, like, they didn't call me a faggot. They didn't call me. Oh, not, wow. They didn't call me not Mexican. Uh, we were passing blunts. We were taking shots, and, and like out. I was with some gangsters. Okay, but they were partying with this. Like technically, at the time, and I'm not using this parlance to be uh, crass, but a faggy fucking goth Mexican guy, man. And they didn't give a fuck. They just knew that like Veronica was their girl. We're in the hood. We're in the hood. That's what it was. You were in the hood. Yeah. And 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 we they knew that Veronica invited us, and she was a fucking sweetheart. And um, if we were cool with Veronica, then they were cool with us. And I don't even know how I got home that night, but I had a hundred dollars in my pocket. Half my sketch pad was missing because I drew. I was spending all my night drawing, and it was a really awakening experience. That like yeah, like you'd see these people on the street, you'd might cross the street, but not. Nah. I had pink hair, skirt, skinny ass dude, makeup. They didn't give a fuck. They didn't give a fuck. Oh wow! So you were you were like Adrian Adonis, or, or... hmm, 
I don't know if you know who Adrian Adonis is, but no, that's I, I do. I know. I know. It, it was more like uh, it was more like Mexican gold dust showed up. But <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And um, but it was about respect. And if if you don't mind, your shoot job, from what I understand, the name of the game is respect. Yeah. Um. I work. For 13 years, I just recently bested, I retired early, with the New York City Department of Corrections. I was a corrections officer, worked everything from adult population segregation. I've never worked any of the women's jails, thank God. But my last assignment, I was assigned in the Bronx County Court Division where when the inmates had court cases where they were facing time to go upstate, whatever, they would come to the Bronx Courthouse. Pretty much a hop, skip, and a jump from Yankee Stadium. And I would... I would deal with every type of inmate and, oh, my gosh, you, every type of case that came to the news, I dealt with them. Like, I don't know if you remember, years ago, a, a young man was stabbed up and cut up in, in front of a, a, a grocery store on the Bronx Street. I don't know if you heard Have you ever heard that story before? No, sir. No, uh, unfortunately, you're not. I apologize. Oh, no, no, no. Don't worry about it. But anyway, that case came to my court. There was a case where... Uh, somebody chopped up his mother, cut his mother's head off, and took a picture and put his head on, put the head on, on Facebook. That I remember. Well, if you remember that, well, he came, well, he came to my courthouse and he, well, he's serving forty-five years to life in prison, of course. But that's another story. But those, those type of things, I've seen everything and anything in his in his job. It, it's it's incredible. So that's why pro wrestling, and and I'm glad we we have this pro wrestling conversation because. Pro wrestling always provided me with that um, oasis, that drug, that 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 um, that go to, that um, you know that 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 drink, that whatever. It provided me with that escape from from the stresses and from the anxieties and from whatever stress level that the job was causing. So pro wrestling did a lot for me. Pro wrestling was like my my medicine. You know what I mean? So yeah. That, that, that's pro wrestling. But uh, I want to talk about the respect thing. Um, I've had friends that are have been working at correctional facilities, and like, do you have a gun? No, we don't have guns on us. Like, what do you do if something goes wrong? We talk to them. Um, and I don't know if it was a specific type jail, if it was a little bit not as hardcore, but she was telling me that it's not about I'm better than you. It's you're in a cage, and I have to respect you. And there are limits. Yeah, I, I, if things go awry. Um, um, and, my th- and, and it depends because what I like to tell, especially with new officers when they come on a job, what I like to tell them is you're going you're gonna, to, um, how you approach and how you um, present yourself is ultimately going to dictate how your day is going to go. So, but, and I also tell them, you can talk crazy to everybody you want, but you got to realize one day that these guys actually get out of jail. So you're going to see some of these guys in the street, in the supermarket. So why talk reckless and crazy to them while they're in there? So I get why she's saying, well, it's not so much having to respect them. It should be something like second nature, because if you want respect, I'm going to give you respect first. That's just that's just in every area of life, wrestling, whatever, whatever job you do. So if I want you to respect me, I'm gonna respect you first. And when when I tell them that, and I already I already grab their attention like in the palm of my hand. And when I when I do that, and they see how I carry myself, and another thing they also respect is 
um, they don't, they don't, they don't respect like punk asses or, or, or bitches or suckers or none of that stuff. Say it with your chest. Like, when you tell them to do something, they know they, they, they have to be told to do something. So yeah. when you have to, when you tell me they have to do something, say it with your chest, say it with respect, say it with conviction, but don't say it in a demeaning, derogatory way because they will call you out on it and you're going to have a bad day. If you say it in a professional manner that, that you know what, that, that commands respect, but not, gonna, but not in a condescending way, they're going to respect you and you're going to have more easy days than bad days. Did you learn that the hard way or the easy way? Um, and, and depends, depending on the area, because I've worked in several different areas that some levels of intensity intensity with regard to, um, their, their, their frustration, whatever you want to call it. It depends on whatever, but some areas I did learn the hard way. Some areas I kind of like learned along the way. You know what I mean? Tell me a success story. Tell me, tell me something that was difficult. You had to actually like put the work in. Oh boy! Whoof! Oh gosh! Um, well, this was probably back in 2014, 2015, when I was still in Rikers Island. Um, it was me, and my partner, and there was a housing unit of about thirty or forty. And for some reason, they they, they housed in the gangs together. So this is a housing a housing unit for the Crips. Okay. And. Man, these guys just love to fight. They don't care. They don't talk. They love to fight. And I respect, and the craziest it sounds, I respect that. Because they're not talking to jump behind the gate when the gate opens. It's a different story. They back it up exactly how they say it. So it was me and my partner. When I took one dude down and I went, went to one dude out, the rest of them fell in line and they went right back. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was incredible. So we don't want Munoz, we Chicho, we go, we go, we don't, we don't want whatever. <laughs> and I had to be careful because that time I was really starting to like hit my stride in wrestling. Now, in fact, that was right before I made my debut in Mexico. That's funny. Funny that we bring that up. I know. Just the fact that they respected the fact that I wasn't a punk and there was, mind you, we're, sur- we're surrounded, we're outnumbered in the jail system. Right. You know what I mean? So that was probably about, at that particular time, there was probably about 15 of them to maybe three of us. But when I took two or three of them down and one shot, boom, 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 boom. Like, oh, damn, this dude ain't no joke. So they respect the fact that you ain't going to be no punk. You know what I mean? They, they understand right. that the, the, what the job entails and they respect that you have to do your job and all that. But they're going to respect more that, that, that you're not going to be no punk. So if you show them that you're a punk, it's like they see blood and water. They're going to mess with you, and then you're going to have – every day is going to be a bad day for you. Now, now don't bullshit me. Uh, you said two or three guys. Uh, I assume you choke slam two motherfuckers cane style and then tombstone pile drive the other one. Don't bullshit me that you didn't show off. <laughs> well, no, it was just, more, I'm just fucking with you, man. It was more um, – it was more Kurt Angle, belly to belly suplex type of stuff. Oh shit! Throwing people around, throwing people around, and and I and I was pissed off, and I got pissed off, and I told, I remember telling them, "Say, yeah, disrespect. I, I show you guys number respect. You're gonna disrespect my hallway, disrespect my job, and both all. Oh, I was red hot. Oh, I was red hot, and I let them know that. And it was a move joke. And then you know, it was funny. The day after, it was like, you'll see on my fault, man. My fault, you know, whatever, whatever. They, they were they were very humble and very apologetic. See, that's the respect that I wanted to get to. That's the respect I wanted to get to. Unfortunately, you might have to sh- like show yourself in your your feathers in one particular way. 
But it was respect after that, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. And you know what? And some of them you see in the street, and you think that, oh, they're going to, oh, they're going to CO that mess with me inside. I'm going to get them, blah, blah, blah. No. They actually give you more respect in the street because you didn't show yourself to be a punk. Believe it or not, they respect you more when you when you don't show them that you're a punk. Like, of course you're gonna be, of course you're gonna be feel, like scared. I'm human. Like, you know, you get you're surrounded by freaking fifteen dudes. You don't know what that they, their charges could be anything from murder, or whatever. Of course you're gonna be some type of nervous and scared. But when you don't show them you're punk and you putting in that work, they're gonna respect you more. When you show them they're a hu- you're a human just like them and, and on the same level and not treating them like garbage. Yeah. But that's something that yeah, really, man, it was that's that really resonates, man. Like, and I, I, I have been. This is what I've been wanting to get out. This is why I have been bugging you for so long because this is not a story regular ass <laughs> motherfuckers can tell. Is because I know from everything I've, I've, I've seen all your posts. I've seen all every, every YouTube thing you got, every uh, clip you got. I've researched your ass, man. You don't have a Wikipedia page yet, but. Uh, <laughs> I put the work in, man. And uh, when I told Tony, um, I want to talk. I want to talk to Bobby. He's like, "Do it, fucking do it." Guy's a fucking great guy. He put you over like a motherfucker. Before we started recording, I mentioned that, and I was like, "Yeah, that that son of a bitch, fucking Tony Morales, man. He's he's no joke." And he he put no. You over, I love Tony. I love Tony. He put you over. I love man. Tony. I, I met I met Tony um, when I first went to Colorado. Um, I, it was a promotion called IW, and it was the first time I ever worked with a female promoter. Her name was Tammy. Um, she looked, man, listen, when I tell you, when she looked out for me, she went out of a way and looked out for me. Oh my God, if I ever saw her again, I would buy her a freaking car and a house. I'm telling you, like, she was, she was the best. She was incredible. That's awesome, man. That's, I love hearing those stories, man, because you hear, like, lately, it's been kind of weird uh, with wrestling because AEW really shook things up. Like, before AEW, it was the Indies versus WWE. And, man, I was following everything. Ring of Honor, uh, Pro Wrestling Gorilla, uh, uh, WXW, Progress, uh, New Japan Pro. And then when AEW showed up, man, it, the, 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 the game is new. And now the Forbidden Door is open. And, but it's kind of made the Indies kind of weird, in in my opinion, like... It's if you're not one of those, oh, we gotta go to EW. Yeah. We gotta go EW. And I always warn people, hey, don't tell anyone. Oh, I didn't have to tell it with you, but don't tell, don't say out loud on the podcast that you only want to go to AEW because someone might hear this and be like, hey, we were looking at this guy. Fuck him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And hey, listen, listen, you, do you know what do you think of um, these latest releases? Like, what? Like, what the hell? Like, you signed these people because you felt like they were good, and then, then you release them? Like, what the hell? Well, uh, when the the rumors of AEW started up in late 2018, um, I could see why they were sharking people just to not get them so someone else couldn't get them. And now they're releasing people, but I also read that WWE was extremely profitable this year. They are. This is a, a money ball game now to them. And the storylines and the fans can go fuck themselves from what they care, because they're, wow. still, they're they're still going to make their money, and but at the same time it's creating a, a weird power vacuum, 
everyone's wanting to go to AEW. AEW is hemorrhaging talent. Like, there is, yeah, they've got four shows. How many of them do you watch? Uh, it, like, that is a shitload of fucking wrestling to watch. If, you, if, if you're a pro wrestling fan trying to keep up with things, trying to keep up with New Japan, uh, whether you have to stay up till 3 in the morning to watch something, or 6, right. or, or, or progress is gone, uh, WXW is kind of still there. Um, it, it's, the, like, where are you going to put these guys? Like, you, you have Matt Hardy. You've got fucking CM Punk. You've, you're, you're probably going to get Bray Wyatt. Um, you're, what, what about Darby? What about the guys that came out from the beginning, the, the, the guys that you believed in? What, what about those guys? That, oh, let me tell you. That's what you I'm know, worried about. Listen, no, listen, you know what puts over, you know puts over Darby Allen huge? CM Punk, a, listen, they put him over huge, man. And when you get somebody like CM Punk putting you over huge and he has like such a cult following, whatever you want to call it, that people are going to pay attention. <laughs> right. And but what about, um, I, I think. But what about the people struggling uh, the, in, in AEW right now, trying to get some screen time? Abaddon, um, fucking uh, uh, Statlander, uh, like like the women's division in the WWE right now. I don't think is uh, it doesn't stand out to me. Like I don't. Reina Gonzalez. Like I've seen her work. I've seen her live at NXT shows in Florida. And I love her work, but I don't believe her as champion right now. I don't know why I'm saying that. No, no, I'm glad you brought that up because when people ask me my opinion of their matches, um, Tony and I, we go to everything together. Uh, we're partners in New Era. We're partners in Minefields. We're, we're super good friends. We're close. I mean, I talk to them almost every day. And we had a discussion about wrestling, and I was like, listen, I'm going to stay a mark. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're the one that can dissect what move was great, what was botched. I'm not going to do that. Because if I do that, it's going to ruin wrestling for me. When I started making comic books, all of a sudden it was very difficult for me to enjoy other comic books. Because I was like, oh, this one's better than me. Fuck it. You know, or or, or like, oh, I'm not going to be as good as this. I'm not going to do that. Um, But uh, when it comes down to it, Thunder Rosa is the shit <laughs> and, and oh absolutely i love mel i i know i've hung out with her i know her she she's the oh man yeah, she's I, the, the greatest. I get charlotte's a fucking badass but uh what i was getting to my point was is when people ask me did i have a good match um i will tell them either i enjoyed it or if i really liked it i'll tell you i believed you when 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 I hear the words I believed it, that means more to me than anything because that means that whatever I did came across as very real. You know what I mean? Like, and so I tell yeah. people all the time, and I, and I tell people all the time, you want to know how good your matches? Listen to the crowd. The crowd will always tell you if you had a good match or not. Always, every single time. Listen to the crowd. That's what I always say. When when COVID happened, I realized that my real favorite character was the crowd. They were gone. I didn't have anyone to chant with. Yeah. I didn't have anyone to just, yeah. justify my love. You know who? You know who? I, I'm very impressed with the work, and I don't know why she was let go. And it mind boggles me. Ember Moon. 
That was fucking weird. That girl has put the like, work in. Can this, can this woman can work? She can work. Like, what in the blue hell are you doing? She, she can work. She did everything that she was told to do. Everything she was told one, to do. Tell me. And another one that can work is also a woman who who pretty much tore up the the, the California indie scene was a Shotzi Blackheart. Oh, dude, no bullshit. Exactly. Uh, and then the, they they released Ty of Valkyrie, and then and then those... like, this woman, this woman was dominating AAA. Like, are you kidding me? She's a white Canadian girl, Vieja Loca. Yo. You can't get over with Mexican girls unless you're the shit, because they will destroy you. Uh huh. And yeah, they let her go, and they let Morrison go today too, or yesterday. Hmm. That is like you're, you're you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. Do you give like, a f- what are they? Do you give a fuck about Roman Reigns? Do I give it um right now? I'm I'm gonna be honest with you, and I just said something about the quote unquote shoot. Right now, the bloodline. I that's the only thing keeping me interested in SmackDown. Oh yeah, I agree. To be honest with you, because. They are really, 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 really telling that story. And then when 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 they put the when they beat up Kofi um uh, uh Zangie Woods and they put the crown on him, I was like, oh my god, this story just went to a different level. Oh my god, incredible. But but that's it though, isn't it? Like, is there anything else? I mean, like, I haven't watched WWE in probably two years, and that really breaks my heart. Listen, man, I don't know, and 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 it's funny, I mean, God rest his soul, Luke Harper, or Brody Lee, that dude, oh my, and you watching him on his matches stuff on AEW, like, what did the WWE mess with that guy? Like, are they serious? Yeah. Yeah. That, and Braun Strowman, Braun Strowman goes by the Titan, and well, his real name is Adam Shirt. Yeah. Um, and he goes by the Titan, you know, his girlfriend is actually um, Raina Gonzalez, it's funny. No shit. I didn't know that. Look, look, look at his, look at his uh, Instagram. It's, 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 it's an old, it's like a public knowledge right now. I'm sure, but I just, want but them, yeah, man. I just want them to be happy and taken care of, man. Like when I find out that a Fed is letting untrained people wrestle or people that are that do bad business, like there, that's when I draw the line. Yeah, like come on, man, man. come on. I get, I get what you're saying, man. It, it it hurts. I mean, how did you start out watching wrestling? I mean, it's always a magical moment. And like, tell me how you lost your virginity. And <laughs> wrestling, well, gosh, my dad used to take me to the old WWF shows. That's not fair. To... <laughs> <laughs> Back in um, the eighties, they used to run monthly show. Well, into the nineties too, they used to run monthly shows in Madison Square Garden. And I remember, um. We were, I think we were in a cab coming from the truck, whatever it was. I'm like, Mom, look, that's Bob. And I saw Bob Backlund walking into the garden. I'm like, Bob, and it's like Bob Backlund made such an impression on me. So I, you're talking, I'm going all the way back to early 80s. So that that's what really got me, like, yeah. cooked. That was incredible. And there were other times where I was in college in the early 90s, and I, and I would go to the garden just to see wrestling because I love wrestling so much. And I would see 
Gosh, I got to see the Undertaker against Yoko's doing a casket match. I got to see the Steiners against the Russo's. I got to see. I mean, funny. I was outside and said, "Let me see what wrestler I could see before I go back to. I had to go back to college, whatever." Yeah. I I saw Snooker and he was so welcoming and so you know approachable. I would go, "Hey," he would be like, "Hey, brother, how are you, my friend? Did you enjoy the show?" Whatever. Like he was so easy to talk to. He said, "Brother, I gotta go because I gotta go to the you know obviously because they travel a lot, so he had to go to yeah. the next town." It was incredible. I never forget it. All right, so I got a couple questions about being at the, the Garden, but I met uh, Backlund once, too. Uh, we were in New Orleans. I was trying to get to the fucking pisser before the next match started, and the guy in front of me was this little old man with a white shirt with red suspenders, and I was like, no fucking way. No way. So I, I'm tall, so I, I book it, and I get in front of him, and I start walking backwards, and I'm like... Mr. Backlund, it's a pleasure to meet you. I know you're in a rush. I can tell you're in a rush. I just want to say how much I respect you. He's like, whatever, kid, and just stormed off. And I'm like, Bob Backlund was busy in front of me. <laughs> it was so cool. Like, 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 I knew it from behind. Uh, but tell me about the garden. If you're at the garden, what are the snacks you get? you got to give me some details at the garden. What If you're at the garden, oh, you're, you're with your pops, what snacks are you getting? Oh, my gosh. Ah, man. The 80s, oof, you're talking about pretzels, hot dogs, everything for pretzels, hot dogs, and gosh, I remember when I went to the 90s, and this is when the garden, you were able to smoke in the garden, and back then, they were smoking everything from cigarettes, weed, everything. Yeah. Back when I used to smoke cigarettes, I would bring a cigarette there, and I would just say, look around, like, you know what, I see people smoking, so I'm going to light up my cigarette. So I'd just be there watching the show and everything, you know, and I remember one time they had a a, a house show Royal Rumble, and that's when I saw Ludwig Borga and, and Rikishi when before mm. he well, before he became Rikishi, and I saw um, Kevin Nash, and I got I had a really close seat, and I'm like, oh wow, Adam Bomb. I saw all these guys. I'm like, why? And I was smoking a cigarette. And this is back in the days when he used to let you smoke there. Yeah, man, incredible times, brother. <laughs> no, this is this this is what I want to hear, man, because it's it's. Man, I can ask you who you beat up, or do you want to go to AEW or Impact? No, 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 no. That's not the meat and potatoes. The meat and potatoes is who are you, Mr. Bobby Munoz? You are a correctional officer. You are a pro wrestler. You're not an indie wrestler. You're a fucking pro wrestler. You're a good thank guy. You, thank you. You're a Puerto Rican. You are a family man through and through. I can tell it. I can smell it on you. Thank you. Thank you. No, it's 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 just uh, one of those vibes I get. Like I've got a, I've got a really good sense when it comes to who, who I want to be friends with, and and luckily I have not gotten shot in the foot except once or twice because it's personal business. It happens. But um, what were some of like you know just talking about that sort of vibration? Like who were some of the people that really helped you out? Uh, as far as wrestling goes, as far as wrestling goes, man. Oh, yeah, well, my brother, my older brother, Julio, well, everybody calls him Gano from the, in the hood and everything. He had, he had I'm not going to say a cup of coffee, I'm going to say sip of coffee with the WWF and ECW back in the early 90s where he'd been in the ring with Kamala, the Nasty Boys, Mr. Hughes and Shane Douglas, and uh, Jacob and Eli Blue, the, the Harris Twins. I don't know if you remember who the Harris Twins were. I do. Yeah, so he was in the ring with those guys. And this is the early night. So this is the guy that trained me. And his trainer 
was was Bobby Bold Eagle, who actually his trainer wrestled for Vince's father, and his trainer actually trained with Antonina Rocker. So that bloodline of as far as entering training was was, was very rich. So that that's who helped me out. So it was your brother. My brother, my brother wrestled back in the early '90s at the Black Panther in the New York City area. Um, promotions known as uh, Ultimate Championship Wrestling and a bunch of other local stuff in the Northeast area. Um, and now he just goes by Panther Rodriguez because Rodriguez is his last name and he's Panther. So. Now, I mean, he, he doesn't get around too well nowadays because he had like a car accident, but damn it, man, the passion for wrestling keeps him going and keeps him... That's like his. I talk about my drug. That's definitely his. His crack cocaine, man. Like he has a passion for wrestling that that I haven't seen matched in a while. I don't even have that. That you know what I mean? So it's it's incredible. So I feed off of that, and he, he's the one that kind of you know what I mean. Taught me along the way. How bad were those Big Brother ass beatings? Um. Well. Yeah. You're oh okay. You're okay. You're bleeding. Mom's home in a second. You're okay. You're okay. <laughs> um, when I started wrestling, I remember he gave me just a very basic vertical suplex. Like I already knew how to land and do all those things, but something happened and, and we and I ended up like our heads collided and I ended up like above my right eye in the middle of my like where the where the nose meets, whatever. Like I opened up like I had a little gash, and I started bleeding. I said, oh, you're off. You'll be all right. Don't worry about it, kid. Let's clean this up, and we go to the next lesson. So he was actually my trainer, so he, he saw that. I said, oh, no problem. I wiped it off, and to the next lesson we go. Oh, that's awesome, man. Uh, my, my big brother is the one that got me back into wrestling. Um, he wasn't really my big brother. I met him when I was 19. He died uh, three years ago of uh, lymphoma. Oh, sorry to hear that. I, I appreciate that, man, but... Um, him and I, like, I was like, you can't die, man. Like, wrestling's gonna suck without you. Like, like every time I get out of my car and every time I get into my car, I woo because he told me to. And he taught okay. he, he taught me how to take chair shots. He taught me how to bump. Uh, we were working a hot topic, like on the concrete. He's like, don't be a pussy. Yeah. <laughs> like, he taught me how to bump. He taught me how to bump. Uh, he's the one that broke my speed addiction when I was like twenty. Um, oh wow! Thank God for that. Yeah, he he uh, he heard. I'm gonna tell this on the air just because uh, he heard I'd been up for a week, and uh, I get a phone call from him. And I was driving around smoking cigarettes because I, I was I was tweaking like a motherfucker. I was I wasn't doing it to get high. I was doing it to fucking. I was in college, you know. I had an Adderall problem. And I get, right. get a phone call from him, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm driving, smoking cigarettes. He's like, hey, come over. Uh, George, his, uh, his wife, uh, Georgiana, was making some good. He's like, come over. Come eat. I'm not hungry. He's like, just come over. And uh, she's making some food, and we sit down, and she makes this huge bowl of goulash, and uh, she feeds me this huge bowl, and I wasn't hungry. She said, just take a bite. And then my body took over and said, eat this whole motherfucker. And... I had two more bowls of it. Uh, I sat in between. He he was like six eight, uh, big old white boy, long hair. He looked like a, a bigger Dimebag Daryl. And uh, I'm sitting between them, and I right. snuggled in between them. We're watching The Simpsons. I wake up two days later. I wake up bathed, and in my underwear, my my clothes are folded on the table. 
uh, right right next to me, there's a, a bucket there if I needed to barf a bunch of bottles of water and my phone's plugged in. And I look at my phone and I realize it's two days later and they have been texting people pretending to be me. And that I'm okay, I can't make it to work today, uh, I'm sick, and then uh, I wake up and I'm okay. And um, he gets up and sits next to me he's like, you alright? I'm like, yeah, I, I feel pretty good. He's like, you gonna do that shit anymore? No. <laughs> that night, he didn't say, hey, I heard you've been up for oh, a week. Man. He didn't say, I'm pissed at you. He didn't say none of that shit. He just he just made sure I was safe. And um, everything you're telling me made it me okay for me to tell you that story because it seems like you've been through some shit. I'm not saying the same shit, but you oh, yeah. you, you have the smile and the uh, the laughter of someone that has been close. Nice. And I, I I like talking to people like you because I want people to hear this. And, hey, Bobby went through that. What are some of the things that you've got close to, man? Tell us something like some kid. Like I, I want some kid to hear this interview in, 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 a, in a year. I heard that interview on Minefields, and I'm coming for you. I was about to do this, and then I heard you, and I'm, you're my inspiration, and I'm coming for your ass. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man oof that's listen man wow you 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 asked some freaking great questions dude I ain't gonna lie to you so I can see why you are the professional uh you know what I mean we call um it, we gosh. Call it, we while you're thinking we call it minefields because we walk through minefields minefields is talking and exploring it's learning it is all about development and personal uh, execution. And it has nothing to do with reminiscing about bullshit and staying in the same spot. Mr. Bobby Munoz, right. you've, got, you've got a history. I can see it. It's in your face. It's, it's all over you, man. Give me, give me something for them kids that are going to hear this shit and going to train to come for your ass, man. Well, I would just say... um. Not just so much worry about, oh, I want to do this because it's cool. I want to do that because it's cool. Do it because it's going to, I mean, you know, you, you want to train in a way that you're, you're going to last long and you're going to have this endurance. You're going to have stamina. So I prefer to train for stamina and endurance rather than training to be to do this move or that move because it's cool. Because a lot of the young kids, they want to do this, that, and a third because they feel it's cool and they feel like, that's the only thing that's going to get a reaction from the fans because that's what the fans are conditioned to seeing. That's what the fans are conditioned to, to like knowing about. But when, when you train in a way that you're going to last long from the first minute to the last minute, fans are going to recognize what your, what your work rate is. And they're going to recognize what your talent is. They're going to recognize what your gimmick and all the other stuff is. So all that other stuff is unnecessary. So if you train in a way that you're going to last long, regardless of what you do in the ring. I mean, that, that, that should really be the focus right there, you know? So that's what I would say. I was watching your match uh, last time I was in Lubbock, and that's why I wanted you on the – because I, I put the flag up, who wants photos, who wants photos, people came up. But then I saw your match, and I was like, I need this motherfucker now. And uh, one thing – Thank you, thank you. One thing was that I believed you. 
it, it Thank honest, you. honestly <laughs> it was intimidating to go up to you. I, I might I may be taller than you, but you might be able to reach reach into my chest and pull my heart out. But I wanted to capture that. I, I wanted to capture that. It was art. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you putting that on the line for us, man. And we're we're in fucking Lubbock, man. Like those motherfuckers do not mess around. <laughs> they, they 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 believe in the wrestling. We talked about it earlier, but um, we're we're uh, I want to ask more in depth. Um, yeah, you're talking about training, but what was one of the best life advices? The best advice. Tell you, I'm gonna tell you two pieces of advice I ever got. Best advice in my life. Uh. 99.9% of success is preparation. Number two, I'm not... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Number two, I'm not trying to be crass, but don't be nothing up, no bitches. <laughs> Their face is perfectly fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's a joke, but at the same time, yeah, I don't have any kids. I'm, I, I'm, I'm free, but um, uh, I, was just, I was just trying to make you laugh, man. Um <laughs> tell me tell me some of the best advice you got that really sticks with you because you told us the training advice um the, the, I mean that's that's pretty I mean you said it right there I mean that that's pretty much it just, just be pretty much be yourself don't try to be anybody else but yourself um you know, uh, that I, I don't know how to, how else to put it. I mean, that that's pretty much it. Uh, because when you, when you be yourself, and you know, you don't have to be a carbon copy of what somebody else is doing. I, I just finished uh, John Moxley's book, Mox. Oh wow! How was it? I bootlegged it. Um, <laughs> it was it was good, but I got to tell you in the third chapter, I got really turned off and it was difficult for me to pick it up, uh, on the fourth because it was all about, uh, having a backup plan. Now this okay. entire chapter, it, it was barely two pages about how he didn't have a backup plan. It was wrestling or nothing. He's like, yeah, I, you know, you're told to, you know, get a trade, you know, get a degree just in case this wrestling shit doesn't work out. Uh, but I didn't have a backup plan. It was all about wrestling or nothing or death. And when you're, when I was being trained about a headlock, you better believe I was 110% intent memorizing everything. And it really pissed me off. It really, it really pissed me off because Okay, John Moxley might be saying that, but don't fuck around and lie to me. You're Dean Ambrose. You might be fucking John Moxley now, and if he ever hears this, I'm not being disrespectful, but you're Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose is the one that made the money that bought your mama's house, bought your fucking truck, got you to meet your dream your dream wife. Um, don't you fucking shit on people that have to have a backup plan. There's nothing wrong with it. Just because you have a backup plan, you're just not as good as everybody that is invested in yourself. You're Dean Ambrose. They they strapped a rocket to your back. You got lucky. Real lucky. I I have to agree with that because a lot of these guys. Well, that that's one of the rare cases because when you look at other guys like let's say Brian Danielson or C and CM Punk, these guys made their money way before they came to the WWE. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. 
So when 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 you see somebody like a Brian Danielson or CM Punk, they're like, oh wow. But when you see somebody like John Moxley, like, my man, you would you would you were Dean Ambrose. Relax, calm down. Yeah, and it it bothered me because um, and follow me in this. This is completely out of left field, but uh, one of the eleven commandments in the Satanic commandments, founded by Anton Lavey is do not give advice unless asked. Because if you give advice without ask, you are uh, pushing your ideas on someone that is not willing to have it. Right. Now, now I'm not talking about Satan or anything like that. It's just, I'm just talking about, like, logic. <laughs> like, uh, some people are really impressionable. Most people are very impressionable. Um, don't have a backup plan. Don't go to school. Don't learn a trade. And he didn't say specifically don't learn a trade. He didn't say specifically don't go to school. Uh, he was encouraging them to, in in his heart of hearts, he was encouraging them to just throw everything into wrestling. He thinks that in his mind, that's a good bit of advice to give to people. In his heart of hearts, he's coming from a good place. I disagree. Of course. Uh, he's coming from a good place. I'm not knocking him for trying to hype people up. I want him to hype people up. But at the same time, though, uh, how many people do you wrestle with that are going to make it? That's true. Good point. How many people do you know that are trying to make it in showbiz or as a writer or as an artist are going to make it? How many of them, back to what I said, I believed. I believed your match. Thank you. Thank you. How many people do you know you believe? Yeah. Well, listen, I wrestled quite a few people that ended up being, oh, my gosh. Ring of Honor, New Japan, like, I went down the list, like, Ring of Honor Originals. I don't know if you remember the hit squad from Ring of Honor years ago. Oh, I do. Oh, well, I wrestled Mac years ago, so that was cool. And I before he signed with Ring of Honor, I wrestled Jay Lethal. Um... I also wrestled Santana before he went on and became, you know, Santana on TV on AEW. So I wrestled quite a few guys that are on TV. I'm not sure why I'm not on TV. I don't know why. That's another story. It's going to happen. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, these guys, these guys are busted their ass and they earned it. So I wrestled quite a few guys that are on TV. I'm talking about believability here. I'm talking about when you believe them. Is telling oh, them bro, is is telling them not to have a backup plan a good idea, even though he came from a good spot. He came from his heart. He came from his heart. He really did. He he he's trying to hide people up. You know, go everything full force. I get it, but discouraging people from having a plan B, that's my problem. Um, yeah, that that's not something you should do. I mean, you should always have a backup plan because in wrestling, people don't realize injuries happen. Even when you don't think you think you got to figure it out, you think it's all good, but there could be that one little thing where you just—it could be just walking to the ring, and you slip on a step, and you tear an Achilles. Like you don't know, right? So you always want that backup plan, always. Yeah. So whoever doesn't offer that is like, what are you like? What are you thinking? Like, come on. Yeah, it 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 just rubbed me in the wrong way. I was talking to Tony about it last night, and he's like, "We got to talk about it on the podcast." Because we we record we we film uh we're filming something that is a pet project of mine called Gorilla Warfare, 
where we, every time we go on the road, we film talking about comics. We go to comic stores at the comic store. We film all the cool shit we see. We film all the cool random ass motherfuckers we meet. And then we film at the show, guerrilla style, documentary style, backstage shit, uh, me filming shit, me taking photos, Tony wrestling. We're, we're, we're making something out of nothing. And tomorrow, I'm going to be shaking hands with you. Nice. We'll be there. You're uh, we're we're leaving at seven in the morning. Um, going to a couple comic stores, and we're gonna be there, take some photos. So, uh, I'll talk about it off off screen after we're done. Um, but tomorrow is Lubbock. Yep, I'll be there. I'll be I'll be in the building probably around one thirty two o'clock somewhere around there. It's a special fucking locker room, man. I've been in a bunch of locker rooms, and there's something special about Lubbock. Oh, I love I love it here, dude. I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's sad because always in my region where I'm from, that's where I should really be getting it because that's where I'm from. But unfortunately, you got some egos and and, and people who allow jealousy to rule their thinking and their thought process and everything. So. I don't bother with it. I don't feed into the ego. I just wherever I wherever I'm booked, that's where I wrestle, and that's that's pretty much it. We got some work to do in Lubbock tomorrow, man. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We'll be there early, taking photos and uh, filming. Gonna have oh, I got my t-shirt. I got my t-shirts ready to go to sell too. Branding t-shirts. Oh, dude, put yourself over, man. Oh, How many t-shirts you got? And I got. Not only do I have t-shirts, but I also have masks that match the t-shirt. I actually have an idea for a t-shirt for you, but we'll talk about that later. Listen, uh, I'll, I'll take it. No problem at all. We'll talk about that later. And But, man, this has been one of the best interviews I've ever done, man. You weren't expecting this, were you? Not at all. Not at all, <laughs> but I appreciate it. No, I appreciate you, man. I, I've, been, uh, I've, been, I've, been, I've been wearing you down like Urkel and Laura. Please be on the podcast. Please be on the podcast. I love it. I love it. Well, tell us how to find you on uh, social media. On on TikTok, I'm Bobby Munoz underscore the gladiator. And that's the same name I have on Instagram. So on Instagram and TikTok is Bobby Munoz underscore the gladiator. And on Facebook is the gladiator Bobby Munoz. I pretty much use my real name, but but it's funny because with that wrestle, I just use my my Bobby Banner name. But you know, so but social media is a little bit different. So there you go. Your OnlyFans is expensive, by the way. Fifty bucks just to sign up. That's bullshit for some red butt cheeks. Uh, I'm I I paid the fifty. I expect some content. Well, it's funny because I don't have OnlyFans. <laughs> You mean there's a fake-ass Bobby Munoz out there spreading his butt cheeks that I spent money for? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, shoot, I, I need to see some of that money if that's the case. <laughs> Mr. Munoz, it has been a pleasure. Don't, <laughs> don't hang up. This is minefields. This transmission is over, and this is dangerous. Don't hang up. Huh.